Hello, my name is Philip Miriton, and today we are going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. Now, before we get started on today's show, where we're going to be talking about human holograms with Robin Kelly from New Zealand, I'd like to tell you about two new shows coming up. First, on September 24th, we're going to have Greg Braden, the internationally known author of several best-selling books in the science spirituality field, including Deep Truth, Fractal Time, The God Code, and The Divine Matrix. And uh, I'm looking forward to having Greg here to to, to really get into some um, good discussion on that. And then the following week, we're going to have Dr. Quantum himself, who's Fred Allen Wolf, uh, who is really probably, probably the founder, or at least one of the pioneers in this whole field of science and spirituality. And Ami, on that show with me, acting as the guest host, will be Diane Collins, the, the author of Do You Quantum Think? So those are two shows coming up that I wanted to... I want to tell you about. Now, if, if I had a subtitle for this show, it probably would be something like In Search of a New Scientific Paradigm. And the reason for this is that there are signs on the horizon that we are in need of a new scientific paradigm. Now, the book that I've been spending a lot of time with lately uh, is called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions by Thomas Kuhn. And those who have not heard of this book, I would suggest getting it. It's actually pretty easy reading. It happens to be uh, one of the top five science books of the 20th century, and I think is the most widely cited science book in the 20th century. And the reason is, is because in this book, uh, Professor Kuhn talks about and introduces the concept of a paradigm. A paradigm being sort of a system of thought, a worldview that science operates in. In this book, he also talks about anomalies, unexplained events. And he talks about how science may enter into a crisis state when it is confronted with events, experiences that it cannot explain with the existing paradigm. So on this show, what we try to do is we try to reveal some of the problems with the existing paradigm and perhaps talk about how it's possible to combine the mysteries of spirituality with the findings of science and maybe find some kind of overarching new paradigm. Now, this is not just an academic topic. And that, that's because science is telling us how to control the world and how to control ourselves. And to be very specific, modern science controls modern medicine and therefore controls how we approach our health and our well-being and the course of our lives. If we are only mechanical creatures, then, then we know that the only way to live a longer life to improve our improve our health would be through materialistic cures or cures as I like to say that operate from the outside in on the other hand if we are spiritual beings at our essence as some people believe then we should be focused on the on the internal state of our beings and and look at health from the inside out so the main distinction that we have between the two paradigms sort of in conflict right now is, is do the thoughts and feelings that we have inside of us affect our bodies and the physical world or do they not? Materialistic science really says that those thoughts and feelings don't have any effect on our spiritual, on our, on our physical bodies. It's like swinging at a ball without a bat. Those thoughts and feelings have no impact upon the physical world. Now, what happens when we continue to look at science and spirituality 
is that we're starting to see some overlap in concepts. Example being the zero point field where we have all sorts of thinkers such as Lynn McTaggart and Greg Braden be another one who are using the zero point field which is a quantum field which we don't have to get into but it has a scientific origin to make conclusions about the about the physical universe the same thing happens with quantum theory today we're going to be addressing what I think is one of the most fascinating phenomena of science and that is a hologram a hologram as as we're going to learn on this show is a illusion a three-dimensional illusion of a physical object created by two laser beams and a mirror we've all seen holograms maybe in in uh, on movies in our credit cards with the 3d glasses but but can we uh, transfer the scientific concept of a hologram to tell us something about who we are and what the world is made out of and as I said the guest on today's show from New Zealand is Robin Kelly now Robin Kelly brings probably the most diverse background to this show of any guest we've had he is a medical doctor he is a researcher he's a multiple award-winning author and he is a musician his latest book the human hologram living your life in harmony with the unified field explores the science and practice of living as holographic beings within a holographic universe it was awarded science book of the year at the 2011 US national best book awards he is also listen to this a singer songwriter with four CDs of original songs his third album shimmer was nominated for 2010 album of the year by the US Indie Music Digest and a song from that album was runner-up in Nashville's 2010 song of the summer so welcome to the show uh, Robin thank you for joining us from New Zealand today well, thank you, Philip. It's a great joy to talk to you, and um, just I love your show already. Thank you. Well, well, I, I cannot help but, you know, everybody has to learn something about holograms because we all, I mean, I think we all are fascinated by them, and, and to think that there is a overlap or that we can, or that we can sort of transition this amazing uh, principle of science into reality is something that we should all at least give a little attention to because if nothing else it is an intriguing subject so let's first draw the big picture uh, for those who don't know what a hologram is I'm gonna I'm gonna have you explain it and I've already and I want to tell the listeners th that uh, that Robin gives one of the clearest descriptions of a hologram in his book that I've ever seen. He, he uses pictures and everything, but let's start off with what a hologram is, Robin. Why don't you tell us what a hologram is? Well, I think you've already said it, but I, but I, <clears throat> I find this fascinating. It, it, it is a, a three-dimensional ghost-like, if you like, uh, uh, apparition uh, that occurs when you um, combine two laser beams, one of which has hit the object you are uh, in fact, uh, photographing, you could say photographing, and the other one uh, is a laser beam that's been deflected from a mirror. So these two laser beams uh, unite to form uh, an interference pattern, uh, which is then recorded on a plate, and then a further one laser beam is sent through that plate, and the uh, three-dimensional object is reconstructed. Um, say it's an apple or even a human being, it's reconstructed on the other side. And the two principles, and a number of principles of hologram that are very important, one is, is what they call real parallax. In other words, if you were to walk around this, uh, this image, you would find that it just acts like a, a normal three-dimensional object. In other words, you know, it, 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 from every point of view, it will change uh, according to uh, the principles that we already know. But the other uh, aspect is that if you cut from this scientific plate, just one tiny little corner and then uh, send a laser beam through that, it uh, will recreate the whole. In other words, a smaller version of this, uh, whatever it is, apple or, or object or you or me, is created. Um, therefore, every small part uh, of this recorded information uh, 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 creates uh, through this uh, the whole. 
uh, or has access to the whole through this uh, this process. Uh, and it does seem to be a fundamental uh, measurement, uh, a fundamental, I suppose, uh, tenet of the, of, of, of the universe. It's something that we're noticing. And the interesting thing is that this is sort of far more uh, important than just what we can find in in art shops and, 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 and in, in demonstrations. So much so that both the Scientific American and, and uh, the New Scientist, as they lead articles in the last few years, uh, uh, have actually posited the, the theory that, that uh, our world and our universe is holographic. Um, and that in fact, you know, just uh, uh, in, in fact, it's our, 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 our uh, observation uh, uh, of the universe as it changes it into these uh, this three and four dimensions that were, that we we live in. That behind all this, there's a there's a field, there's interfering field fields of information, um, and it is that our observation changes it into the reality that we see around us. And uh, and what I found intriguing about that is that if it's changing uh, the world around us, it also means that our bodies are holographic as well, according to this theory. This theory isn't set in science, but it is actually important enough for it to be debated now uh, throughout the world, and there are a number of reasons for that. So I really come to this from a real practical point of view, me as a family doctor, well, what does this mean? This is, what does this mean to uh, what it is to be human? What does it mean to you and me? And, and is this important information, or is this something that's just so way out and crazy that it'll just confuse us and set us on the wrong track? Or will it actually possibly set us into, onto the right track? That's where I'm coming from, Philip. Well, I, I think that it's, it's important for the listener to, to, to see what's going on here because, first of all, I, I want to I say that one of the most important things to do when discussing a topic like holograms, and in fact, any topic in science, is to be very clear about semantics and the words we use. That's point one. Point two is that uh, Dr. Kelly is exactly right. Uh, there, there are books written by scientists, uh, I, I believe even Stephen Hawking has written on this, that, that they believe that the universe is ultimately uh, information and that the information is, is contained in black holes and that somehow through a field this information is converted into a holographic image of a universe. Okay, now, now what I just said may not be exactly what the scientists are saying, but it's real close. And, and, the, and my point is, is that we have examples where science, it sounds a whole lot like metaphysics. And, and this, this is where I was, this is what I was saying in the beginning of the show, is that it's things like the holographic universe as viewed from the scientific perspective that tells me that, that maybe minds are opening to broader perspectives. I mean, we're going to get into this holographic uh, principle a little bit, uh, but I also want to emphasize something else you said that I think is extremely important, and that is you bring the human body into the holographic universe. We're not just sitting back here like robots viewing this holographic scenery. We are part of the scenery. Is that, is that what you're saying? Absolutely, we have to say that we're part of the scenery. Uh, you know, we know that when we look around, that that uh, basically, if we're, we've got photons that reach the back of our eyes, um, having been sort of collided and deflected from whatever's around us, uh, and these are um, re broken down into electrical messages, basically at the back of our eyes that are actually sent to our um, visual cortex. And they're reconstituted um, into uh, an under, uh, somehow a perception of the world around us. And we know that's true. We know that, in fact, uh, scientifically, this is what's happening. We, we, there are formations called Fourier uh, formations, Fourier uh, 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 formations, which actually are, are this conversion of all this information into. Um, ultimately into the perceptions that we see around us. And this doesn't happen just with our, our, our vision, but with our, our touch and, and all our senses as well. Um, so when you take it that step further, we can see that this isn't so crazy, that in fact that um, this may well be what's happening, and it may well be that behind these, these 
realities that we see around us, which incidentally, on finishing the book, I, I, I found to be even more of a miracle, this mm -hmm. world, this physical world, than, than I, I started out thinking. Uh, behind it all, uh, there's other realities. And this is what we're re realizing in the last 10 years in science as well. These other realities are as real, in fact, possibly even more real. Well, I think that um, one, of, one of the points that need to be made here is that this concept that maybe we are holographic beings in a holographic universe, that sounds to me a little bit like being spiritual beings in a spiritual universe. Do, do you see that being a, a distinction? Do you see a difference between calling ourselves holographic beings and calling ourselves spiritual beings? No, I, d I don't see a great difference, nor, nor do I see any difference between this and, say, uh, the understanding now that behind our, our, our physical world there may be, well, quantum reality, nor is it different, I think, from this idea of non-locality, which is we're talking about uh, uh, a, a being that is uh, beyond time and space. Nor do I think it's different from the, the fractal uh, worlds that we're talking about. I think we're talking really about the same thing. And I, I came to this 30 years ago when I started in my medical practice. I'm a formal family doctor. And I started to do acupuncture. And I could see changes that occurred in people, not from a, a, me imposing a chemical on the person, but actually just uh, maybe putting a very light needle in their body, connecting them to the outside in world or environment. So I wasn't making any physical, I, a, any chemical change, but I was actually affecting how they were feeling, how they were sleeping in a very simple way. And very quickly also I started to use ear acupuncture and the, and the understanding of the ear acupuncture is there's a whole map of the body. All the information of the body is held in a particular small part of the body. And this was, happens to be the ear, which is very accessible to acupuncture needles. So therefore, if somebody has a stiff neck, I would put it on a specific part of the ear. And I knew if I was a millimeter out, I wouldn't get a response. So I began to think, well, why is this so? And at the time, and even now, people say, well, this cannot be. This, this, this lies outside science. This, makes, this is scientific nonsense. But if we talk about holographic theory, as I've explained already, where all the information can be at least accessed by the smallest part, then it doesn't become nonsense at all. So over the years, I've been, uh, I've made it a, a point of it is trying to explore the science that's developing that begins to explain what I and other people are experiencing. But, but primarily, it comes from experiencing and feelings, and um, and I believe our feelings are, and I explain in the book. Could well be our connections to these this field, these other fields of information, and that our rational thoughts come secondary to our feelings. Therefore, our bodies, our heart, uh, our whole bodies are connected to this field, and that's when we get intuitive feelings and feelings first, uh, and then we learn how to apply them with our our brains and and our uh, our conscious development that's had occurred to human beings over the last. Uh, uh, Two hundred thousand years or so. Okay, so so I think that I want to I want to emphasize something I think important that that we're talking about here because I in some ways I don't think it's helpful to add different principles concepts onto a topic such as spirituality because it tends to confuse people. And I and I like the fact that there that 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 spirituality, or 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 idealism perhaps or mysticism have a lot in common with um, this holographic principle. What I what I like about the holographic principle is that it carries this three-dimensional sort of sense to it, where the word spirituality doesn't really convey that and and I, I like I like the you know people could put their hands around literally um, uh, a a holographic object it looks it, it's a, it, it looks as if it's occupying space but it's really an illusion uh, and and so so I think that that is that is very helpful but I think it's also I think extremely interesting for you maybe to elaborate a little bit about what your epiphany was 
if you had one, where, where, where it's where something clicked in your head from, from your experience as a medical doctor to say, hey, there's something else here that's, that's at work uh, beyond just the, the materialistic, or I believe it's also called pharmacological. I think in your book you call it a pill for every ill, which I thought was good. Um, yes. But, but what, what was it? What, was there something that clicked that said, hey, there's more than just this, this materialistic approach? Uh, yes, I, I think there were a number of epiphanies that I had. Um, and I think when I started to explore acupuncture and studied Chinese medicine in the 80s, uh, there were a lot of epiphanies, particularly what the Chinese will call the Zhang Fu, which are connecting our uh, different parts of the body, different organ systems with, with emotions. Uh, for instance, in frustration and anger and creativity being part of the liver and, the, and uh, uh, spleen being something to do with worry and, and uh, uh, kidneys being, being the seat of, of being. And, and um, I, when I was at school, I was very interested in, in English literature and, and, and studied, uh, uh, studied English literature in England, and, and uh, it seemed to be talking the language of, of Shakespeare and, and uh, the, the, the poets and the Romantic poets, and, and, uh, but it was also talking the language of the people. Um, people came to me, and they do come to doctors with feelings. Um, they feel tired, they feel pain, um, they can't sleep. Now, none of this we can really effectively test with chemical tests. Uh, we can exclude things with chemical tests, and they're terribly important. So the person uh, realizes they haven't got leukemia or anemia or whatever, and of course that's a huge part of my job. But no chemical test actually uh, confirms uh, the pain that somebody's feeling. So these pains are, are, are obviously uh, on a deeper level, an energetic level uh, within the body, as are feelings. So when I started to, to explore this and started doing simple acupuncture, people would come back, I may be treating somebody with a sore back or a sore neck, and they say, hey, you know, I just felt so good that day, um, and I just felt like I used to feel, or I really slept very well, or, or women may say that they, my period pains weren't as bad, and, um, and I just felt sort of at peace. And occasionally people would have an epiphany themselves and say, look, I... I just had this almost altered state experience where I just felt totally connected with everything around me, um, and it got me thinking. This is this is I, this is what health should be. There should be when I'm ha feeling healthy, I'm connected with the world around. I'm happy. I'm not conscious of my body so much. So, um, and this must be something we should strive for. And uh, I, I started to use these techniques like acupuncture and relaxation and breathing to teach people how to achieve this themselves. Now, in the last 30 years, our health problems, certainly in the developed world and the first world, have been very much related to stress. In other words, having too much fight or flight, being in a state of tension um, uh, uh, all day. Uh, it's almost like we're running um, 100 meter dashes uh, all the time rather than um, uh, preparing for our marathon. Yeah. Um, and uh, it would appear to me that when I started to do these tests, I would the person's body would revert back into this relaxed, almost meditative mode, which was peaceful and, 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 and happy. So the epiphany was a slow one for me, but over a, uh, a number of years, I began to realize this is what we should be teaching people to achieve, achieve health. Now, Another epiphany did come to me. I mean, I did have a sort of out-of-body experience looking back um, when I started to understand this. And uh, I remember I went to a workshop on the Zhang Fu, which I've explained is to do with how we link our emotions to our, to our health. And uh, I remember my wife giving me a massage one at the uh, end of that uh, course. And uh, I did feel I left the body and, and everything came together very much like some people would be explaining uh, with uh, near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences where there seemed to be an instant connection with the universe. Um, and it was very interesting because after that it just all seemed to make sense and I further changed my practice so that I could spend my time doing this work um, and eventually uh, writing so that I could try and... Uh, it seemed to be that the best thing I could do apart from 
talking to people that are coming to see me um, on a one-to-one basis, and I do this all the time as well, that I had maybe had a role trying to make this real for people because I was still basing my, my writing on, on um, my medical practice and, and how I felt that this was an important to help the people that are coming to see me, many of who hadn't got a scientific background at all. But so to try to make sense of this and to actually um, make it uh, as valid as I, I, f- I felt it was to me. But more importantly, I, I felt there was no conflict between this and, and actually being, um, being what I think is a good doctor. Uh, in fact, it, it seemed to help because I could prescribe less medication, uh, I guess less complications, um, people would feel better. Um, so there's never been a conflict with me, apart from the fact that I prescribe less medication and people need less surgery than before. Um, so uh, that's really that started me me writing and, and combining that with with um, talking and listening to people. And the more the experience that I've got is just listening to people and to see them in this you know, in the difficult stages of their lives when they have a chronic illness, when they have. Um, when they maybe have a, a terminal illness, and and to see where all this, uh, how important this is um, in explaining the human condition. So, how how is your practice accepted in New Zealand? Um, I I think it's interesting because I have a very good working relationship with my colleagues here, mainly because. Many of the people that I'm seeing, they're not getting very far with, and so they're wanting a helping hand. Right. Uh, and to be honest, most of what I do now is talking to people um, and inducing in them a state of, of healing, and uh, peace and relaxation, and giving them very simple hints of how to do that in their lives. Um, so I... I, I don't know. I suspect some think I'm crazy, so so that's up to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think I think it's you know. I know I don't, I, <laughs> I've I've done I've done a lot of research in, into the placebo effect for my own book, uh, and and I remember. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities in in the research on the placebo effect, and and one of them that always that always uh, comes to mind is is this concept of, of having a good bedside manner, of having a kind and understanding doctor who treats you as a person, that, that shows compassion as opposed to looking at you like a specimen. I think one of the noteworthy parts about, about your practice is that you, you start with the human being first and, and, you, and then you work from there. You, you you try to connect to their feelings, their 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 uh, upbringing, their history, and you try to understand their connection to the world at large before just prescribing medication. I mean that was one thing that came across in your book, and and I thought that 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 to me is a very healthy way to approach the practice of medicine. So, but I th- I I think it is, and and you know I'm. If I'm seeing people for the first time, um, I try to comment exactly on how I'm finding them. You know, especially something nice about them. You know, that that what is it I'm feeling instantly when I'm meeting this person? You know, or you know, you look happy, or you you know, you look like uh, you you're looking a bit sad today. Um, welcome, um, and and uh, the basic greeting that seems to be a greeting of kindness. You know. Hello, how are you? With really an understanding that the person really is in, feels that you're interested in how they are. Um, you know, when we talk about the science of this, what I'm talking about here, it's the science of of connectiveness. It's a science of connections. Whereas, you know, I have to realize that uh, I was trained as a doctor in the science of separateness, that I was separate from this other person. And in fact, you know, each of our organs were somewhat separate. Um, and this is very much based on the science of connectivity. So I, so I need to know exactly how this person is connecting with the world around them and whether, in fact, those connections are, are, are helping them or whether they, they, they need to be more connected. And, in fact, in most cases, of course, they need to be more connected. As I've already said, that's the state of health that we, we find ourselves in. When we're healthy, we feel totally connected with, at one with 
nature, our friends and, and everybody around us. So it's so important that we uh, act uh, appropriately and kindly to this person because that is the healing process. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, this whole placebo thing is we, we have falsely, I believe, felt this is somehow um, something we should be battling. This is something that is a bad thing. Placebo means I shall please. And ultimately, if you approach everybody like this, people get better quicker because uh, they feel comfortable, they feel more relaxed, they go into that, away from that fight and flight zone, they open up, and two people together are in this harmonious, uh, resonant, coherent state. And that probably is the most essential thing I can do with my own body, <laughs> my own presence, uh, uh, and being in that listening mode. And it is totally amazing what comes out when two people are in that state. In fact, the healing probably starts as soon as that happens. Okay. And for that, and to listen to people, it's to listen to their passions or whether their passions are in fact being met or whether they're being quashed. And in so many cases of illness, their passions have been not being appreciated possibly all their lives. Okay, so now connect us to the holographic principle now. Can you, I, I like I like to know. I mean, is this is this where you you see the insights of 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 holography, uh, sort of informing your medical care? I I, I think so. I, I think that um, I suppose before we go to the holography, it's about um, when two people are together and feeling so connected. Um, something happens uh, beyond just the physical. In other words, you are receivers of information and of the truth. And I would say that that truth can be the feelings that are expressed. So two people together can pick up on, on feelings. And, and one of the understanding of the holographic principle is that behind our physical reality, there are fields of information, if you like. Okay. And that two people in that degree of harmony can pick up um, those that those fields of information. And also that all that information is accessible by our bodies. Okay, we being the small part of the hologram, if you like, we are the holographically connected to all this information. We could say the akashic record or the the information fields. So within our bodies, we hold the truth. Uh, a far greater truth than we have been given, uh, I, I suppose, that has been understood from the materialistic paradigm. Well, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's interesting because, you know, I'm tempted to go farther than, than maybe your, your book goes, um, although, may, although I'm not sure. And, and, and to be specific, I'm sort of thinking of, of, uh, Kant's moral imperative right now and you know Kant said this is this is the, uh, eight, mm -hmm. the 18th 19th century uh, German philosopher he said when you when you act act according to the maxim uh, that your conduct will become a a a rule of nature it was something like that I it, it's something like that so in other words he's saying act as if you are acting for all humankind and, yes. if, and, and if we are if we are parts of a whole, if we are holens, and I think that Ken Wilber uses that term holens, if we are part of a whole, um, but in, but in many ways we're acting for the whole. We represent the whole, just like a piece of your holographic image. Then then we are really expressing the health of the whole, uh, of the unity, and therefore. When we connect to the unity, when we connect to the whole, I I like to think that we're getting more power, because yes. and 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 it, it sounds it starts sounding mystical, and I and believe me, one of my goals is to not to be mystical because because it's 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 actually um, I I believe it's true, so so I don't think. Uh, and I guess the mystical can be true, but my point here is that if the world is really one, if there is a connection, if there is an interconnection, 
then by drawing off the power of the whole, we can only help ourselves. And, and I, I think that's where love and compassion come in um, because you're sort of building off of, of, of a support structure that's helping you. Um, and so that, that, that observation, I, I think, to me, sort of inspires um, this kind of interconnected health program or this support structure I don't know I don't know what else to call it right now but but um, I think that the 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 holographic approach it, it may just be a metaphor but it's got some I think it's I think it's a very helpful metaphor um, be, because it shows that maybe we are part of the whole and therefore we have to, to act a, uh, accordingly I, I just totally agree with this as well and and the middle part of my book I, it's the hologram in action and it's very much that this that in fact it's our actions here that following on from what you said can feed into the whole in fact is part of the whole and therefore grows the whole we can say that our actions if they are heartfelt if they're actually for for the good of the person that we're with uh, and ultimately to ourselves, uh, it actually feeds into the field, which then grows. Right. Uh, and this is how our consciousness grows as well. But it's actually, our, the interesting thing is that, that to be here in these dimensions is the perfect stage for us to, to act. You know, we need almost time pressure. We need uh, this physical reality to act and do these good works to feed into the greater whole. So it may well give some insights into why on earth we are in these physical realities, you know, because they are, they are very painful for people. They are difficult for people, certainly the people that I'm seeing. Um, and I am totally, the, the biggest message for me is, yes, from this whole science, this whole experience, is how important each of our actions is. And then in fact that it doesn't matter how big or small it may be perceived from the outside, it is important if it is a, an act of, of kindness uh, and it's a positive act for the world. Yeah, and, and I, I've made this connection before on this show when we've had, say, a theologian on, but we are very close to some, uh, I, I will say, Christian, Buddhist, I don't want to label it with any particular religion here, but, but the concept that we are all brothers and sisters, that we're all one big family, uh, to me, we're not saying, at least I'm not saying anything different. <laughs> no. it's, 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 the same, it's the same principle, but, but I think when, you, when we view uh, our modern world through the prism of our current paradigm, which is the materialistic paradigm, where everybody is assumed to be separate, it's hard breaking through that prism. It's hard to put the different glasses on and look at the world purely as if as if we are really one. And and so to me, that is sort of the evolution, the transition that we're undergoing. And I've said before, I don't know whether it's going to be decades, generations, centuries. I, I, don't, I don't know how long it's going to take to sort of clear our viewfinder. But, but, it's, but to me, it is so much more healthy to, to look at the world as, as if we are one than, is, than as if we are really separate. And, and, and again... I am not trying to say anything really radical here because I think this is exactly what the leading religious uh, founders uh, have said in the in the um, scriptures. This this is the same. Yes. This is this is the same thing that that Jesus Christ said. The Buddha said. It's found in the the Hindu text and the Chinese text, and it's just it's it's just you know I like to say that well we're evolving but we tend to say the same thing in different ways in modern language, and and I think the whole I think the holographic approach is an example of that. Um, so, 
Now, now I need to ask you this question about: um, Do you think that 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 we are that that the world and our and what we are are really illusions? I suppose I wrote this book from uh, being devil's advocate for that because I I, I thought well. You know what is the evidence for that, and and does that make any sense? And and again, as I've said before, if that's the case, why is it the case? Um, and and uh, why is this illusionist three and four dimensional world that we have? So why is it there? Right. <laughs> okay, if it is an illusion. Um, so I'm saying, yeah, the behind this this. Uh, uh, three and four dimensional world, this physical world we can touch and feel and see, there are other realities. Um, and yes, the evidence uh, is coming through fairly strongly in this, uh, I suppose since 2003 or so, that there is more besides what we can see and touch. And, and it's actually coming through on, in areas of quantum biology, which are now uh, the quantum world is now being proved to uh, have a, exist in uh, nature, uh, whereas before it was thought to be an anomaly almost that occurred in the cold, uh, dry laboratories. Now we are showing through our technology uh, that a quantum reality exists in certain parts of nature where, where they're looking. Basically, uh, uh, it is highly likely to be involved in our sense of smell, uh, in also um, uh, the eyes of back of eyes of migrating birds, and also in photosynthesis, which is sort of the, which is basically the lungs of the world. And the reason they're finding this is that they have the technology femtosecond lasers, basically lasers that can flash on and off at sort of an amazingly high speeds to discover this. So we are at the stage, uh, even in science, of knowing that behind this physical world. Uh, there is this other world beyond time and space. Uh, and some would be saying that, that we are actually formed upon this. And in fact, this is a more basic reality to, to, uh, to our being here. But as I said, that for my own experience anyway, since I've been studying this, researching it, and I'm trying to apply it to my life, I fall more and more deeply in love with what you could say is the illusion of of this world yeah. uh, and it's similar to those people who have uh, near-death experiences who come back and they have uh, uh, having experiences realms of timelessness and intense love come back to a certain amount of pain here but actually uh, want to preserve the, the environment here like never before want to be kind like never before uh, in other words value uh, what we have around us and it's sort of the perfect vehicle, if you like, as I've tried to explain, uh, to act kindly and to um, to make a difference. And it also, uh, it you know, when when life's going well here, it's tremendous fun. You know, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> everything, well, everything well. you can feel and touch and taste and look at and color, it's just uh, it is incredible. Well, so I, if it is an illusion, it's very beautiful. Well, I mean, I. I asked the question because because I think that that goes to the heart of of, of a lot of this. I also think um, it's it's a it's a fascinating uh, point or question because when when you set up the apparatus in the science laboratory to create a hologram, you have you have what's what we would call a real object or a real person, and then you have the illusion. And and the question is, which one are we in the real world? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's 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 it reminds me of the movie The Sixth Sense, and I I, I assume that um, you you've heard of you've heard yes. of it, the one with with Bruce Willis, where he's in the restaurant and he's really a ghost, and he's pretending as if he is he's actually having dinner with his with his uh, ex-wife. Uh, I hope I haven't ruined the story for anybody, but 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 the point is is that is that he looks exactly like <laughs> he looks exactly like the real person. You couldn't tell the difference between Bruce Willis and and this real per and and his real wife, and you can say the same thing about the movie Inception uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. 
where where they had these multi-level dreams. I also want to I also want to point out that anyone who's ever read the book Siddhartha by Herman Hesse. Herman Hesse. Yeah. There there is a there's a passage in in Siddhartha where Siddhartha is asked about well if the world uh, is is Maya uh, in an illusion then what then then what's the whole point of it and Siddhartha says something like well if the world it is an, is an illusion then so am I mm. and so they're always of the same nature as myself and and I think that that's that's what I get out of your holographic beings in a holographic universe which I would agree with by the way I would put it a little differently but I agree with that it it wouldn't make any difference because we would be of the same reality as the world and, and mm. so and so um that that to me is is important i also want to add this this additional point that that when you when you go when you start walking down this road when you start saying hey maybe there's something to this maybe maybe we are not actually separate creatures maybe we are really one i think it tends to give you a greater appreciation for the world we live in I think it's similar to raising your consciousness, it, it, and that to me tells me it's true, because 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 you are understanding yourself in the world more as you start walking down this path. Um, I want to I, I want to ask you this question: Is is there during your career as you've been studying this 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 holographic principle, uh, ha, ha, has your has your um, confidence that you're on the right path as it as it gone up as it stayed the same or do you or do you still harbor doubts over whether this whole thing is is uh is is worth it i i've over the years have harbored doubts because i'm confronted especially in my in, in my work as a doctor by by i suppose a mindset that has been very much about manipulating people's chemistry and that um, you can feel quite lonely, I suppose, in a medical meeting yeah. um, or, with this. But having said that, when I come home or away from that, uh, more and more it has helped me because, as I've said, it has encouraged me to carry on trying to be kind uh, in my family life, in my home life. Um, and it sort of makes so much logical sense. Um, and um, for instance, I mean, one thing that will upset me, I suppose, if I find a place being littered, you know, because right. I feel personally <laughs> I'm being littered as well. And I find that, you know, if in fact you are part of this world or this environment, why would you throw your old uh, wrappers or McDonald wrappers out of the car? You know, why would you litter yourself like exactly. this as well? So um, every day I'm getting confirmation of this but also I know with my own happiness and I uh, you know when I'm feeling the most creative and I'm happy I'm most connected uh, with the world around me that's when I'm happy so I'm at one with this world around me so it's it confirms to me in a much stronger sense than maybe the materialistic world of television advertising or, or some of my the medical meetings it's also very interesting because I, I just about three weeks ago I went to a medical meeting and it was run by uh, heart specialists and it was it was interesting, but I, I, I the penny dropped for me why I felt so different from possibly um, my profession in that the person on stage uh, presenting about using certain drugs for cholesterol or whatever said, look, you know the reason that we've got to do this is that people don't change. This is what he said. Hmm. He said that, you know, they cannot change their life or their lifestyle. Um, and I got me thinking, I thought, well, that's interesting because the last 30 years, that's precisely our, our discussion with everybody that's come in. What can they do to change to get better? Yes. It's not about what I can do. It's, you know, do they, how do they relate to the world in a different way? Um, do they have to change their relationship? Do they have to leave a relationship? Or do they have to change their perception of what that relationship is, either a work or, or a, a life relationship? Um, how do they change their relationship to the past? Are they harboring um, feelings of non-forgiveness, for instance? Now, from my experience, that this is, this is hugely important to our health. And these are the changes that people need to make. And the changes they make are compassionate changes to themselves. And 
it's really the mindset that somehow uh, divinity is outside us. You know, this is right. this is probably at the root of many of the people I'm seeing, rather than within. So if we act nicely to someone else, we are actually appreciating the divinity within them, and we hope they pick up on that. Um, and that's how we start that conversation. So I thought that was it was almost so obvious that why I'd felt this was, I was at a sort of at odds, I suppose, with with a profession that wants to change people through taking medication. I'm and and growing number hopefully of people like me are saying, no, what is it that this person can do uh, to change their life and their health? And the solution is being their own person, being uh, a yogi in, in some way, so that their, their soul, if you like, if we can, is aligned with their personality and their reason for being here. Um, and, and they are compassionate to themselves and to others. Um, that would seem to be a good place to start. Yeah, that's, yeah I think that's really a good, that's really a good point. That's, a, that's something that a lot of the sort of... Um writers the self-help people say in a different way which is that you have to take responsibility for your own life and yes and and to think and to think that i mean it really is a sad commentary that some people and it could be the majority of people i'm talking about the u.s <clears throat> believe as you put in your book again that there is a pill for every ill that 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 the way to become a happier person, a better person, a healthier person is to take some kind of pill, as as if there's no effort involved, and and not only is is it probably a much better bet to actually take effort to to um, to help yourself, but it can't help but but improve the situation because you start taking control of yourself. Uh, I, I like to use the example of where many people think that we are on autopilot when it's actually manually controlled. We, yes. we, we, we are really at the controls ourselves. And if you don't, if you don't steer, steer this vehicle we call the body, in our lives in in a good direction you're going to crash and burn and maybe that's a, a hard way to put it but but you just but you sort of have to take control and command and and I completely agree that actions are are really um the best proof uh, of that now now before we bring this to a a close um I I'd like to just ask you um what you have uh, planned uh, next? I mean, how how do you see yourself, or or how do you see this whole area evolving going forward? I mean, it's I mean, you 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 I think have you you've pushed the envelope. Uh, the 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 book of yours that I've read is is a contribution in this area, and and again I would recommend it, the Human Hologram: Living Your Life in Harmony with the United Field. What what do you think is next for us in this area? What do you th what do you think um, is is next on the agenda, either for yourself or for this area? I, you know, I've learned so over the years that um, when we're talking about a medical dog, we have to change the system. Um, I haven't been an activist. I suppose I've been more of a writer and a, somebody who's who's done my 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 work. But I I believe there's now. A stage where we need to demand a change in our health system uh, along the lines that you're saying that uh, encouraging well uh, people to take control and ownership of their own health now the simple view is that you can't do this in the present structure of a, the the medical system is not helping with this you cannot do this if your first port of call is a 10-minute consultation it's just not physically possible for that to happen so I'm becoming more and more involved in um, a practical ways that I can help my profession change. Now, that's only one small step because I think actually it has to come from the people. It, people have to vote for this. The profession can't is the last thing that they don't need. They they many of them feel they don't need to change it because they're getting well well rewarded, uh, although become sick and unhappy, I'd have to say, as doctors while, while this is happening. So I, I'm, I suppose, 
moving towards trying to do something practical and to insist that this this changes um, and through I suppose education um, this is important so I'm going into um, schools and, and areas where I know I can connect with parents and mothers who want this change to occur for their children for this next generation so that's where I see some of my, my work work happening to, and because I found that children and teenagers get this stuff they get the science of the stuff that this stuff, but they also sort of have a deep connection with a deeper understanding of what they want to be in their lives, uh, both creatively and uh, and effectively. So, um, yeah, that no, I hope is going to be the move. Yeah, we well, I, I completely, I completely agree, and I think I think that is the next step. I, I think that I think that uh, taking action to change the paradigm is the next step. I mean, uh, we had uh, Abhik Aswami on the show a couple. A couple of weeks ago and he and he's got um, you know his book his newest book is called how quantum activism can save yes. civilization and 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 you know I like I, I told him on the show I said I said you know you should be complimented because you're 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 moving to the next step uh, you know uh, rather than just point out some of the anomalies some of the mysteries or some of the findings of quantum theory, you're 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 showing that that the world has to change, and just sitting back and waiting for it to change may not be the fastest way to have it happen. So I I really think that this this activism part is essential, and that's my that's my own view. Do do I know how to do it? No. Do I know how long it's <laughs> going to take? No. Do I know if it's going to work? No. It's not going to. It's definitely not going to happen by by everyone sitting around doing nothing either so so I, I i think that that's great and and one more thing i'd like you to, to to tell the listeners about um how to learn more about you and your books and maybe your music uh i i've mentioned your 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 new book the human hologram but why don't you give folks uh your your website and other information if you would like to I'll do that. It's one one other just point before sure. I do that. I, sure. I I think that that the most important thing that I'm finding in practice is uh, how people as children felt had a feeling of abandonment, mm. and that if they can attend to that feeling of abandonment, which is a feeling of separation, uh, they can heal that and heal. Uh, themselves of chronic illness and that's coming through very important and one of the ways to help with that is using emotional freedom techniques and um, so uh, that's an area that I'm involved in as well so I, I feel that's very exciting because it puts it puts the health of the people into their own hands they're terribly simple um, and you can get very quick results okay my, my own um, websites I, I'm on uh, one is uh, drrobinkelly.com r-o-b-i-n-k-e-l-l-y Dot com, uh, the human hologram, thehumanhologram.com as well. Um, I, I'm doing, I do presentations and I do a musical show where I present this in a musical form because I find this connects to the heart of the issue and I can connect with people who maybe uh, are hesitant in connecting to, I suppose, the non-material world in other ways. So um, you'll find uh, evidence of that on my my site, and I have a Facebook um, site, the Human Hologram, uh, which I'd like people to contribute to because this is an ongoing dialogue. This isn't dogma. This is, uh, to me, uh, an interesting uh, development of. I suppose, what it is to be human. And I, I love to get feedback from any of your, your listeners who I know would be um, hugely contributory to, to this uh, whole debate. Well, 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 thank you very much, uh, Robin. And I, and I, and I, and I want to say that everything we're talking about here, I think, is extremely important for, for everybody. And, and it goes back to what I started in the beginning of the show, talking about the scientific paradigm and the this this issue of anomalies one of the anomalies that we are seeing in our in our modern world is people getting cured people feeling better people living leading healthier lives but not but not taking a drug not getting surgery it these these things are not explained completely if at all by the current scientific paradigm 
as these instances build up, as our experiences increase, as the number of people getting better through acupuncture or through compassion or through uh, other healing methods, as these things build up, it puts pressure on the existing scientific paradigm. And so perhaps we'll see this paradigm change in the next couple of years, decades, centuries, and we'll be around for the next scientific revolution. This is Philip Merton. Thank you for listening. Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Merton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.